Today is November 15th, 2021, and we are halfway through the November to remember. For a while, we talked about how stacked November is on paper, and now that it's here, it's finally delivering. We started the month with Canelo Alvarez being crowned the super middleweight undisputed champion, the first in its history, and we continued on last weekend, well, a couple days ago, Saturday night, started off with a card in the UK, the women's featherweight champion, Terry Harper was upset by Alicia Bumgarner. Devastating knockout. Huge underdog got the upset victory. And in the main event of that card, Kid Galahad, the men's featherweight champion out of the UK, got knocked out as well by Kiko Martinez, a huge, huge underdog. I saw some odds even having him plus 1,200. Yes, plus 1,200. It was crazy. Devastating knockouts on both sides. That is why we watch the fights. Anything can happen. It was pretty outstanding that both of those happened on the same card. It's not often you see that. But that wasn't all for Saturday night. There was so much action. I had two TVs going, and I still couldn't keep up with everything. On Showtime, they started out by showing the Plant Benavidez, excuse me, the Plant Canelo replay. And then they showed both Benavidez brothers, Jose Benavidez. I had that fight on mute. I wasn't paying great attention to it, but it appeared... Like, Jose Benavides was struggling. Excuse me. He was struggling in the fight, but um, the decision was a draw. That was Jose Benavides versus Emmanuel Torres. We'll have to see what's next for Benavides. Hopefully, they can run that back because it looked like Torres was getting the better of him. But like I said, I wasn't really fully encapsulated in the fight. I had company over. I had it on mute. There was a lot going on. But Jose Benavides is back. Hopefully, he stays active. He's been out of the ring for a very long time, and maybe that's a wake-up call. Maybe that shows him he needs to be active, and hopefully he can get back on track because he is a really good fighter, only has one loss in his career, and that was to Terrence Crawford. The main event was was David Benavidez, Jose's brother. David Benavidez, super middleweight, former two-time champion, undefeated. He was stripped of his title two separate occasions, one because of cocaine, The second one and most recent was during COVID-19 in 2020. They weren't having fans in the crowd. Everyone was quarantined. They had strict rules of when you can work out, what time you can use the sauna, or if you can use the sauna at all. So that was his excuse to miss weight. And he paid the ultimate price by being stripped of his title and not having any part in the undisputed title fight that took place November 6th, Canelo Alvarez did not have to see Benavidez to become undisputed. But Benavidez fought Kyron Davis. Kyron Davis was a replacement. But like I said in the last podcast, Kyron Davis came to fight like he always does. Super athletic. Would not go away. Eventually, he got stopped because his uh, corner threw in the towel. He was taking a lot of punishment. Pretty much unnecessary at that point because he had no clear path to victory. He was trading with Benavidez at times, but Benavidez was getting the better of them 90% of the time. I thought Benavidez won probably every round. Kyron Davis had one really, really good round that he may have won. It was definitely competitive later in the fight, but Benavidez proved to be too much. He's just nonstop pressure, fast hands, power, combinations. It's just a lot to deal with, especially on a short notice. And Kyron Davis has nothing to be ashamed of. Kyron Davis is going to be back in the ring. And I hope he gets another big fight. 
he definitely deserves it. Definitely earned it. Proved that he stays ready at all times. And I hope he gets rewarded for his his heart, his bravery, and his dedication to the sport. Because that guy might have been a replacement, but he sure as hell looked like he was ready. Benavidez seems to be in line for the Canelo fight. I mean, they showed the Canelo plant fight right before his fight. Showtime definitely wants that to happen. Canelo seems open for it to happen. Benavidez mentioned it. He's ready. He wants it to happen. I think it would be an insanely interesting matchup. Um, Two Mexicans going head-to-head on Cinco de Mayo. Makes all the sense in the world. Prints money right there. And as far as entertainment goes, it would absolutely deliver. Both guys high action. Benavidez comes with a high volume, fast hands, power that can match Canelo. The only thing is, I think Canelo would eat his body up all night long. Benavidez leaves his body a little too open for my liking. Doesn't move as well as a plant or a Saunders. I always favor the movers against Canelo. I've always said that's the way to beat him. But I could be wrong. I mean, I've, I was wrong about Caleb Plant. So maybe I'm wrong about Benavidez. I don't think Benavidez has the style to beat Canelo. But he does have a style that is entertaining, that will be money, that will be a all-out war because Benavides is the guy that's going to bring it to Canelo. He's, he's not running anywhere. He's going to bring the action to him, and it's kill or be killed. That's the mindset he has. We shall see how it plays out. Hopefully, we find out in May. I'm of the belief that Benavides should take an interim fight, and I know that's not going to happen. I know it doesn't make business sense. And this is a business at the end of the day. Dudes are punching each other in the face for a living. They need to be protective of their careers, money-wise, and things like that. But when I'm looking at the best way to win, give yourself the best chance possible to win, I think Benavidez should even have a fight in January. And that may sound crazy to some people, but in my opinion, you have to be active to beat Canelo. Canelo is the cash cow but he's also the most active champion in the sport. And that is insane. So Benavidez, while he's been semi-active the last year, get that, I don't care if it's a tune-up fight, get another fight, get another camp under your belt, get a little bit more experience, get a little bit more time to work on different things, as well as keeping your fitness level up, as well as keeping your weight down, as well as keeping your name out there to the public when you have another fight coming up, as well as helping promote, hey, this is a tune-up, but my next fight's going to be Canelo. I think it has so many positives to it, but like I said, it's definitely not going to happen because of the risk involved. Say he gets hurt in camp, say he gets hurt in the fight, say a guy comes out of nowhere like they did in the UK and knocks him out or somehow upsets him and takes the Canelo fight away from him and there goes a huge payday. So obviously it's not going to happen, but I'm just saying to me, his best chance of beating Canelo would be to get another fight just to stay active just to just to keep that motor going he has problems making weight if you have another fight in the meantime another camp in the meantime you're keeping that weight down you're staying in shape you're keeping that muscle memory intact and you're also sharpening your tools for when Canelo comes back because Canelo isn't fighting until May he's already stated that and while May isn't a huge time away it is a little bit of a break for Canelo because he's been so active. He had four fights in the past 12 months. But that's just my take on it. I'll get more into it if the fight gets made official. Nothing's official yet. There's plenty of options out there for Canelo. The Charlo fight's on the table. 
the better BF fight at light heavyweights on the table. Dimitri Bivol's on the table. The Triple G trilogy. Say that five times fast. Triple G trilogy is on the table for Canelo. So there's many options. I think Benavidez makes a lot of sense, though, and hopefully we find out soon and we'll delve into it a little bit more. Also on Saturday night was a great middleweight fight between Jaime Munguia, the undefeated Mexican, 37-0, became 38-0 after defeating journeyman and warrior Gabriel Rosado. King Gabe Rosado, one of my favorite fighters in the sport because he brings it every single night, and he sure as hell brought it Saturday night on his own. He brought it to Jaime Munguia. He didn't get killed in the process, but he was willing to die in that ring. Took a lot of punishment, got landed on over 300 times by one of the hardest hitters in the sport. Think about that. 300 punches landed by Jaime Munguia, the most any opponent has landed on Gabe Rosado in his career. I talked about how Jaime Munguia had little to no head movement this far in his career. It looks like he heard the podcast because he came in and he was moving his head. (laughs) He was moving his head more than I've ever seen him, and that's great. That's due to probably his trainer, Eric Morales. This is his second camp with him. And I could clearly see the improvement. Much improved fighter. This is the best I've seen him. And he was against a hard-nosed veteran. And he definitely earned his victory. Clearly won the fight. Took some huge shots by Gabe Rosado. But it didn't really seem to affect him too much. He was wobbled a little bit. But he kept coming forward. Kept his volume up. Kept the pressure. He was nonstop all night. And steamrolled Gabe Rosado. In the majority of the rounds. The middleweight division... It's kind of boring because a lot of the guys haven't fought each other. That's what's annoying to me. But there is some really interesting matchups that can be made at 160. And I hope we get to start seeing them. We see one in December. That's Triple G versus Ryota Murata, the Japanese 160-pound champion. That will be a great fight. That's in Japan. So we got Triple G, Murata fighting each other. Now Jaime Munguia coming off his biggest win. I'd like to see him get in the ring with either... Demetrius Andrade or Jamal Charlo, both undefeated 160-pounders. There's no reason that two out of those three guys shouldn't be fighting each other, whether it's Bubu versus Charlo, Bubu versus Munguia, Munguia versus Charlo. One of these things got to happen. Make it happen now. Triple G's fighting Murata. So if we can get another good matchup and then have those guys fight each other, 160-pound division can be really, really interesting. That division as a whole really needs a spark because it hasn't had much interest since Canelo and Triple G both were fighting at that weight against each other. Speaking of middleweights, there's another middleweight that I want to keep my eye on. I recommend you keep your eye on him as well. He's a Brazilian by the name of Esquiva Falcao. Brazilian, 28-0, 20 knockouts. He fights this weekend on the Crawford Porter undercard. The undercard as a whole isn't much to write home about, but this fight... Is very interesting to me. Falcao is going against Patrice Volney. I don't know much about Volney. I know he's a Canadian. I know he's undefeated. I'm looking at Falcao as one of the future top guys in the division. So I'd like to see Falcao get this guy out of there in an impressive fashion on pay-per-view. And then we'll see if he can get in the mix with the other guys I mentioned earlier in the 160-pound division. But enough about the undercard. We're not here for the undercard. We're here for the main event. And what time is it? Like Sean Porter says, it's showtime, baby. Even though this fight's going to be on ESPN+. Plus, It's still showtime. Showtime, Sean Porter going against Terrence Bud Crawford. It doesn't get much better than this in the welterweight division. Two prime athletes going at it. 
This is Bud's biggest test at welterweight by far. And I already see the media trying to split people. Don't fall for it. I've had many issues, many issues. It's well documented on Crawford's resume. You can hear about it in an earlier episode of my podcast. It's titled, The Curious Case of Terrence Crawford. I dissect his resume. You can go back and listen to it if you want. But I'm not here to that. I'm not here to do that. Not today. Because this isn't about that. None of that matters Saturday. Saturday comes down to the 12 rounds or less. The 12-round fight in Vegas. This is for the fans. This is for us. It's going to be explosive. When's the last time you saw a Terrence Crawford fight that was boring? When was the last time you saw a Sean Porter fight that was boring? Yeah, they don't exist. Porter's coming to take Crawford's head off. He's coming to take his head off. He's coming to take his reputation as a pound-for-pound great. He's coming for it all. If Porter wins, people will discredit Crawford's career. I already said it. That's going to happen. And if Porter wins, it'll also cement Porter's legacy as a Hall of Famer. Because Sean Porter is a guy who, when he retires, there's not going to be any what-ifs. It's just not going to happen. He's fought everyone in his era. He's won some. He's lost some, but he's given it his all every time out. He's earned the respect of us, the fans, and he's also earned the respect of his peers because nobody's outclassed Sean Porter. They've only survived. Sean Porter's been in there with Kel Brook, prime Kel Brook. Keith Thurman, prime Keith Thurman. He fought Paulie Malignaggi at the end of his career. Fought Ugas in his prime. Fought Danny Garcia in his prime. Fought Andre Berto. Fought Devin Alexander in his prime. Now he's fighting Terrence Crawford. He's also fought Earl Spence. There isn't a guy in the welterweight division that Sean Porter hasn't fought that's worth his time. Terrence Crawford, we've already talked about the resume issues. But if he beats Sean Porter, it'll pretty much solidify everything that he's been saying. It'll solidify his status. When you fight Sean Porter, you're forced to fight his style. It's not He's not going to ask you. <laughs> it's either fight Porter's style or get ran over. Those are your options. Porter's cardio is unlike anything you've ever seen, pretty much. Guy's going 100 miles an hour from round one to round 12. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Because Porter's going to be in your face all night long. We already know that. It's up to you to disrupt it. It's up to you to get him off that game. Can Crawford do it? We're going to find out. I think with Porter's style and what I've seen in the past, with that style, the problem with it is he leaves himself open for hooks all night. I've seen Keith Thurman live at the Barclays Center land some vicious hooks. Earl Spence dropped him with a hook. Even Adrian Broner, who was getting destroyed in that fight, lost nearly every round. Drop Broner with a left hook late in the fight. And Crawford may be the sharpest puncher out of all the guys I named. So we'll see how that works out. Porter has to be really careful in there. Crawford's 5-0 and at welterweight, all five wins by knockout. Porter isn't a one-punch power guy. Porter's high volume, high energy, high cardio, trying to muscle you in there, trying to make it really uncomfortable, really awkward, doesn't give you time. When you think you're timing him, he's all up on you. He's in your face. He's running at you almost full speed 
throwing with both hands. Very difficult to deal with. But we're going to see how Crawford deals with it. Crawford is deceptively strong. I think people have a misconception of Crawford because he came from lightweight. He has a skinnier build than most welterweights. But he is strong. Ask Jeff Horn. Jeff Horn's a much bigger guy. He likes to use his size, likes to rough you up. He did it effectively to Manny Pacquiao, but that didn't work against Terrence Crawford. He thought he was just going to go in there, you know, push Crawford back, push him against the ropes, try and get in on him, grab him. That didn't work. Crawford moved very well, pushed off him, landed uh, huge body shots in the pocket, stood in the pocket with him, traded with him. Jeff Horn's size wasn't a factor. We'll see how Porter matches up physicality-wise. It's real different when you're in that ring. Crawford does every single thing right. When people call Crawford the best pound-for-pound in the sport, they're not just talking about resume. To me, when I make my list, I, I try and include everything. I try and include the eye test, the resume, opponents in your prime, stuff like that. Everyone has holes in their game, typically. All the great fighters line them up, and I can tell you maybe a little weakness that they have, something they can improve on. It's just there's so many things to cover. Terrence Crawford, here's a list of his weaknesses. That's the end of the list. There isn't anything he doesn't do. Footwork, check. Power, check. Right-handed power, check. Left-handed power, check. Guy can fight orthodox. Guy can fight southpaw. Do you understand how hard that is to fight southpaw and orthodox equally as good? Defense, check. Jab, check. Right hook, great. Left hook, phenomenal. Body work, incredible. Guy does everything. We haven't seen it against a guy the caliber of Sean Porter. That's where the question lies. I think Crawford wins the fight. I think Crawford breaks Porter down. Porter's going to be coming in, and I think he's going to be walking into big shots. I saw some people predicting a stoppage, and people thought it was crazy. I wouldn't be that shocked if Crawford stopped Porter. But Porter is a tough guy. Porter, when he got dropped by Spence, he was up quick, quicker than you could say, this guy just got dropped. He was up, and not only was he up, he was screaming across the ring, let's go, let's go, I'm ready. And as soon as the bell, as soon as the referee let him back into fight, he was raiding Spence's grill. wasn't backing up at all. So Porter's going to come. He's going to bring the war. We're going to see how Crawford responds to it. I think Porter's best chances are catching Crawford in transition. In other words, when Crawford switches stances, like I talked about before, because he's great at it, he does it so fluidly that you don't even realize it. And then he said, "Did he just switch stances?" Yes. So when he's switching. Porter needs to catch him immediately. As he's switching feet, as he's pivoting, Porter needs to be on him, grabbing him, throwing those wild overhand hooks that he's known for. Porter also needs to switch it up, kind of like he did in the Danny Garcia fight. He wasn't all in his face the whole fight. He, he attacks, he's aggressive, he closes the pocket, invades the pocket, but he also switched it up. Next round, he'd come out and just flash the jab, stick the jab, because Porter has great legs as well. Porter can, can move on the outside. He's not going to win a, a straight-up boxing match with Crawford, but he does need to implement it. He can't just be all rough you up, run through you the whole entire fight, because that could lead to his demise. I think you have to switch it up. You have to be unpredictable. The prediction is you're going to come forward 
and be in your face all night. Yes, we know, Sean Porter. You do it every fight. It's very hard. It's very awkward. It's very difficult. It's very annoying. Sparring a guy like that, you're like, come on, bro. Get off me. It's one of those. He's one of those guys. He's annoying. He's on you nonstop. But I think he has to switch it up a little bit to have success against Terrence Crawford. If he's sticking to one thing, you're going to lose against Crawford. Crawford's too smart for that, too sharp for that. Makes adjustments very well on the fly. Every time you see Terrence Crawford in a fight, he fights differently. There isn't a pinpoint style that he has. He works to whatever his opponent's doing. And that's what makes great fighters. That's why people have him so high on their list. That's why he's well-known as a pound-for-pound type guy. Because you can see these things regardless of the opponent. You can see the different layers to his game. He's a very meticulous, very detail-oriented fighter. He's not a guy that's going to say, you know, I don't watch film on other fighters. A lot of fighters say that. Oh, I don't watch film. I worry about what I'm doing. No, not Terrence Crawford. He's watching the film. He's studying you day in, day out. He wants to know everything you do in that ring. That's why he's unbeaten. Very tough matchup. But this is his also, this is his toughest matchup as well against Sean Porter. So I expect a great fight, highly entertaining. I think it'll be close in the early to mid rounds. I expect Crawford to make the adjustments later in the fight and pull away. I see a convincing win for Terrence Crawford. I think unanimous decision, but I would not be shocked if he got the stoppage. I'm not sure of the odds. I mean, I don't think they're that crazy to throw something on Porter, but I would be shocked if Porter won. And that's no knock on Sean Porter. Styles make fights. I think that aggressive style against Bud isn't the best way to go about it, but we will see. That's why we watch the fights. Like I said at the top of the podcast, there was two insane upsets in the UK this weekend. There's been a lot of upsets this year in general. Saturday night could be another one, but my money's on Terrence Bud Crawford. Let me know what you think. Let me know who you got. Follow me at someone else. Share this podcast with any boxing fans. Thank you, guys. I'm out. But the November to Remember continues. Crawford Porter this Saturday on ESPN Pay-Per-View, November 20th. I believe the pay-per-view starts at 9. That's ESPN Plus pay-per-view. For some reason, you need ESPN Plus just to buy the pay-per-view. And they wonder why people stream. But anyway, Saturday, Crawford Porter. The following week, we got Tiafimo Lopez against Cambosos. We also got Stephen Fulton versus Brandon Figueroa. We also got Bubu Andrade. Excuse me, wow. Bubu Andrade. Real quick before I go. Bubu Andrade is fighting Friday. The day before Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter. That's Friday, November 19th on DAZN against Jason Quigley. Boo-boo, Quigley. Quigley's 20-0. Excuse me, 20-1. He's 20-1, 14 knockouts. He's a solid guy, decent fighter. Coming off a a win against Shane Mosley Jr. I don't think he's going to cause much problems for Demetrius Andrade. I think Andrade is that good. Highly underrated in my book. Highly skilled. Southpaw awkward. Throws huge uppercuts. Great left hand. Extremely good defensively. Boo-boo, I expect to shut quickly out and hopefully get a big fight against the, the middleweights I mentioned earlier, whether it be Munguia, Triple G, Murata winner, Charlo. One of them got to see Boo-boo. That's Boo-boo Andrade versus Quigley. Friday night, Porter Crawford, Saturday night. Told you this November is loaded. The November to remember. Thank you, guys. I'm out.